today we are going to do, uh, I think this is number four, in my personal part of the series on growing up. And uh, we've had others doing growing up, but my series is number four. And I don't know how long we'll go. Well, actually, I'm leaving for Uganda, so I guess that's the end of it at that point, right? So I think I have maybe one more week. And uh, actually, I do have one more week. He already gave me permission. So uh, we got to finish this up this week and next. Amen? So we're going to learn a bunch of stuff. Have you been enjoying this uh, series on growing up? Hallelujah. And uh, I've been enjoying it as well. Can you tell? Okay, let's go ahead and get started. I want you to open your Bibles up to Ephesians 4. We're teaching out of two passages for this series. And uh, these two passages, you're just going to know this section of the Bible so well. And you're going to be able to understand it very well. And uh, so that's a good thing. Everybody say good thing. Good thing. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to start with verse 11. All right, verse 11, Ephesians 4. So uh, let's get that up on the screens and let's have a good time. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Why did he do that? Why do you have those people in your life? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ, From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I absolutely love that last section. When it talks about, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. Now, last week, I told you a cute little story. And uh, for those of you who forgot or weren't here, I'll, I'll let you in on it. Every year at Christmas, when the kids were little, I would buy them pajamas. Christmas pajamas. How many of you love Christmas pajamas? They are a good thing. Yes. So, uh, but you know, being the good mother that I am, I like to buy things when I buy them. I multitask. They're not just good for one year. They need to be good for at least two. Okay, so um, I found the cutest pair of pajamas for my Austin Robert Levi Wolf son, who is not here. He's at Wazoo. He's getting smart, and he's at college, and he's growing up. But anyway, at this point in time, his favorite color was green, and his favorite animal was the two-toed sloth. Or is it a three-toed? I never can remember. Three? Three Three-toed sloth. I found a pair of pajamas that were bright green and had lizards all over them. Close enough, right? And I wanted him to just have these for a long time. So I bought them fairly big. And he was on a growth spurt. So I gave him to him for Christmas, and he got so excited. He ran in the other room, and he put them on. You know, he didn't want to show us his boxers. So he, he pulled them on and came running out. And it was the funniest sight I've ever seen. His head was normal. His body, however, was like, it was like this big, huge pajama that didn't have anything in it. His body had potential, but it wasn't completely filled out and formed to fit his head. 
So he was running around the house with these arms and these legs and everything flapping, and his feet were probably that long in those, but you know how they are before they shrink a little bit. So his, his body, his head looked normal, but the body just quite wasn't caught up to the head. And uh, now his, his body had potential. There was all sorts of space for him to be just this big, huge, mighty, incredible kid. But he, inside of those pajamas, was very small. And that's what we find sometimes in the kingdom of God. It's very interesting that every generation, every generation has to grow up in Christ to come to a place where it is fitting with the head. Looking back, I've read so many books. I love reading books about church history. And looking back, there were generations where this amazing body of Christ grew up through teaching and through all sorts of amazing things. And they came to the place where the the body of Christ matched the head. And they were able to accomplish amazing things in history. There were generations when that didn't happen. There were generations when the body never quite got there. And the story is very different through those time frames. The story is very different. Evil began to take over. Other things started running society and other situations. And the body had remained small. But then there, was be, there would be another generation where that generation grabbed onto things and grew like they were supposed to grow and, and fed on the word and, and took on the manifestation of what the body of Christ was supposed to be. I would say to you people, I will not be silent until the body of Christ in this generation takes on the size and maturation to match our mighty head that is the head of the church at this point, and we will not stop until we get there. Amen? So that's why, that is why we come together and I teach you and we teach you about growing up and what we do here in the body. Amen? So that's kind of a a good mind, a a good word picture for where we're headed with this. Um, It's very interesting too, um, verse 16, it says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up into all things with him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together with every supporting ligament. That's in the, uh, the NIV. But if you look at that in the King James, it says that the whole body is fitly joined together. Fitly joined. In other words, we're all organized. We're all put in just the right place. And then the King James goes, goes on to say that we are fitly joined together on, and compacted by that which every joint supplies. That word compacted, you know what that means? It it takes on this connotation that you are all fitly joined into a body. You are all placed here. You all got up and came here. And God's forming his body right here. And you get to be organized and fitly put together. And then he compacts you. Do you know what that means? Think of a compactor, a garbage compactor. Or the way the, uh, the word actually kind of plays out is it means taking a, a mallet or a hammer and putting us all together tight so we fit together. We're not scattered. We're not disjointed. We're not separated. We're not sitting askew. But God sets us just right, and then he takes that hammer and just taps it together. 
So when you come to church, what you are doing is you're being fitly put together. You didn't just get up on accident and come here. Oh, no. Oh, no. God's got a place for you. He has a place for you. And when you're not in your place, there's a little spot there. There's a little spot there that kind of doesn't feel good. When you get in your place and you get in there and you get in the right place, then God can take his mallet and just go, put you right in, right up close. And when we're all put together and we're fitly joined together, then we are capable of growing up and accomplishing what the head wants the body to do. Have you ever seen, you know that toy where you... It stands there and everything's just fine. You push the button and it all goes. <laughs> and it's all, it can't do much, right? But when it stands up, oh, and I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. The body of Christ is coming together. It's coming together. It's coming together. It's getting tighter, tighter and tighter put together. And you know what? The pieces have to be okay with that. The pieces have to say, okay. Okay, here I am. I'm, I'm going to get in place. I'm going to be a part of this. It's amazing, the church. That's absolutely amazing. God's body has something to do. We have marriages to support. We've got poor that have needs. We've got a a world going to hell. We've got people that don't understand who God is. We've got people out there that think very wrong thoughts about who God is. We've got people that don't even believe there's a God. We've got people that don't believe that God can heal. We've got people out there. We've got a job to do. We've got a culture to change. We've, we've got so much. So how are we going to do this? How do we do this? How do we do this? What has to be done is so much bigger than what I can do. You can do. We have to yield to God putting us together in his body, exactly where we're supposed to be, exactly fitted and joined right up next to each other and let God tap us together. And that tapping together is the most incredible thing. It's called love. It's called unity. It's called coming together. I want you to look over to Acts because I want you to see something now. We've been teaching out of both of these these, um, passages, and they're just incredible. I find that Acts chapter 2 is one of my most favorite passages. There's different little passages and and little windows of time in history that I'm just, I wish I lived then. Like, I wish that I lived in Genesis 1 and 2 when the world was perfect and there was no sin. Don't you, wouldn't you love to join me then? You know, wouldn't that be just this cool time in history? I would love to have lived there. I would also have loved to have lived during these few verses that I'm going to read to you right now. Because this is where, really, the body of Christ was born and exploded into the most intense and perfect functioning body. And if we can look at that, we'll get an idea of what we're supposed to become like, okay? So uh, Acts chapter 2, Peter's preached his first sermon, the Holy Spirit has fallen. 3,000 people come to Christ in the matter of just a few short moments. And the 120 people, 100 and a little few more than that, that were believers that had walked with Jesus all of a sudden now are the church leaders. And they have 3,000 brand new babies to grow up. 
and the church is born, and this is what the church looks like. This is what God's absolute perfect pattern looks like. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone who had, as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and showing, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an incredible time. I would do anything to go to that church. How about you? Let's go to that church. Where's that church? Where are those people? I want those people. Sometimes when I read that passage, I get very, like, I'm failing. I'm leading a church, and it's not that church. I'm, I'm failing. I haven't sold all my goods. I haven't given them away. I'm failing. I can't do that. That one, I want it so badly. It's what my heart cries out for. But am I willing to do it? Am I willing to sell out? That's a challenging passage. Absolutely challenging. What do we do with that? Do we relegate it to the side and say, wasn't that a wonder if that's not for today? Or do we look at it and go, okay, I'm leaving the church I'm at because it's not that. I've got to go find it. And spend the rest of your life searching for that church. I got a better idea. I got a much better idea. First of all, we have to understand what this is. When you fall in love, and I shared this last week, when you fall in love with someone and you begin to establish a relationship that will eventually culminate in marriage and a new family, you go through a season, don't you? I've seen it. I used to be in that season. How many of you know what that season looks like? Oh, you cannot stop gazing into one another's eyes. You can't stop thinking about that person. You talk to that person for hours on the phone, hours every day, every day. You spend money on that person like you are a crazy person. How many of you, you're all looking at me like, no, you know what I'm talking about, right? Raise your hand if you know. That minute, that time when you're falling in love and there's nothing out there but you and them. And you can't even have a conversation with anybody else. And you can't do anything else because it's you and them, right? And then you get married and you go on your honeymoon. And oh my word, the honeymoon. Oh, the honeymoon. How fantastic is the honeymoon, right? But guess what? Monday morning hits after the money, honey, the money moon, <laughs> after the money moon, Monday morning hits. And guess what you got to do? You got to go to work. You got to, you got to like change diapers and mow the lawn and buy stuff and cook and clean. And, but what happened? Did you fall out of love? No, because what you did during that time was establish what the ultimate love relationship is. And now as you grow, 
you have to enter back into life. And as you enter back in life, your job as an incredible marriage is to remember what that is in import. Amazing love relationship into everyday life. And I would venture to say that most of you married people in here are in that point right now where you are living real time with the memory of what honeymoon was like. Struggling with what you got to do now because you have to, you have to bring ultimate relationship into real life. So, what do you do? You remember that. You don't see yourself as a failure. You go, okay, what do, I got, what do we got to do? We got to rearrange. We're going to get away this weekend. We're going to do... You start doing things to import incredible love relationship into real time. And when incredible relationship gets imported into real time, then you have a marriage that everyone is going to look at and be envious of. I want to be just like them. Right? The church has had the same thing. They had... This honeymoon time, they learned what the ultimate relationship is with God and how the church is supposed to be. And then they hit real time. And as you read through the rest of Acts, you find that that they had to make a few adjustments to make this thing work, but they never lost the ultimate relationship factors. And because of that, this last verse here, it says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, I would like to say today, people of God, New Horizon, we have to engage. We have to figure out what is God's ultimate relationship with us and the church and the body of Christ. What is the ultimate thing supposed to look like? And then as we walk out real time, real life, real people sitting here, I believe you are real people. We can't just go and be a little commune together and just meet together every day and eat each other's food and, and all that. We, there's a world out there to save. God doesn't want us to do this. He wants to be ultimate in real world. And then we become incredibly amazing. That's what this passage is for. So this teaching, this whole series, is to help us to remember, to understand what that was. I gave a teaching two weeks ago, I believe. Now it was on the the dedication yourself to the apostles' teaching and what teaching can do in our lives. And today, there's four things, there's four things that this passage tells us that ultimate church love relationship of what God wants to do to import into society. There's four things. Number one is apostles' teaching. You've got to learn. You've got to change your brain. You have wrong thinking. You have stinking thinking. Look at your table and say, you're thinking stinking. I don't know how it works. Get the right English. I'm serious. We have wrong thinking. You hurt me, I hurt you. That's wrong thinking. That's not God's thinking. God's thinking says, you slap me on one cheek, I'm going to give you another. That just leveled the people in his day when he said that. The passages, after Jesus' teaching, it says the crowds were astonished. Remember that? You know what that word means? It was as if he had taken a hammer and completely demolished everything on the inside of them. They were flattened, astonished. The crowds were amazed have to avail ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, the teaching of Jesus, because it will rearrange you on the inside. Four things, teaching, 
The second one is fellowship. And I'm just going to give you the third and fourth because I'm going to do those next week. It's going to be really fun. You don't want to miss. Third and fourth is, um, what are they? Ah, yes. Um, Teaching, fellowship, worship, and active generosity. And when the church is involved in those to a pure, incredible, fervent place, not only just in our own brains, but we import that into real life. And this body here is a new horizon body. It is a body that knows those things, and we know how to walk through real life and be those things at the same time. Amen? So let's focus today on the fellowship side of things. Ultimate relationship, ultimate love relationship. Look at Acts 4, uh, verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Everything in common. Now, we know from other portions of Scripture that not only did they sell, they, they did sell everything and bring everything, and that everything was in common. But that's not what I want to talk about today. That's next week. Don't miss But what I want to talk to you about is the fact that they had all things in common. There was more that they had in common here than just stuff. And I want to kind of show you this. Um, A little bit farther down, it says, um, every day, this is verse 46, they met, uh, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Common. Commonality. They met together in the temple courts. So the first portion of commonality is they shared a common space. They all came together. And there's a move afoot. Remember, it talks about the craftiness and cunningness of men's thoughts and and just strange things. But if you'll grow up in Christ, you won't get blown and tossed around like an infant. Well, can I tell you something? This passage says that those people met together in the temple courts. In other words, they came to church. They all got together. And there's a move afoot that says, hey, don't come together. It's no big deal. That's just a big corporate mess. Don't do that. You just need to serve the Lord in your hearts. Yes, you need to serve the Lord in your hearts. But there's something about a toe laying over there and a hand laying over there and a nose laying over there and a chunk of hair laying over there. What can that do to help society? It can do nothing. In fact, if you sever a chunk of the body off and you lay it down, I'm a nurse, I know, it will die. Because it is now cut off from the very life source. Oxygen and nutrients and cleansing. The blood cleanses. Carries stuff away and brings stuff in. This church, this early church, held commonality of space and time. They came together. They came, the body actually... And came together. And there was value in the commonality of space. It had to happen. They didn't forsake it. In fact, at this point in time, they did it every day. Now, later on in the book of Acts, now I'm not asking, we're not having church every day. I can't go out there and be an amazing, mighty, whatever, you know, construction worker, blah, 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 a policeman. You can't do that if you have to come to church every day. It ain't going to work. So later on in Acts, Monday hits, right? Real life hits, real time hits. And they go from meeting every day to meeting weekly, but they never forsook getting together. Commonality of space and time. 
Second thing, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. So the second thing they did is they shared a common table. And that common table included the exchange of food, the exchange of sustenance, the exchange of intimacy, of being close. I don't know about you, but, you know, when we sit down to eat together, there's something about that. I mean, you can get together and watch this, or, but if, it's always around food. What is it about food? I think food is a very spiritual thing. Come on, work with me, guys. I'm not going to go there because we're going to run out of time. Exodus 23, Moses, Aaron, and two other guys are called up to the mountain of the Lord, and they go up there, and they see Jesus, and it's this amazing thing. And you know what the last line says? And they ate and they drank. There's something about the table with food and the exchange and what happens when you are together with other people and you eat. When you go on a date, have you ever gone on a date and never eaten? Try it someday. It ain't near as fun. There's something about the exchange of food. It's, it's, I, there's something there. And what the body, this body did, they shared a common table. They got together. Um, Psalm 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. You preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What is it? Why is God always preparing a table with food for us to eat together? He gives it to us in a spiritual manner because he's feeding us nutrition and he's giving us the blood and he's, he's working that. But when we get together and share, there's a, there is a, an anointing on that. I know it sounds funny, but there is. And finally, I want you to let you, you know, read Revelation 19. Guess what we're going to do at the, at the end? Oh, it's a marriage supper of the Lamb! I can't wait to sit down at that table. But these people, they shared a commonality of table. I want you to know, New Horizons shares a common table. We have small groups, and when you get together, there's always food, I promise you. Bring a bag of chips. There's food, so you can share, okay? They shared the table. I would encourage you, don't isolate yourself. If nothing else, look into somebody's eyes and say, let's go to taco time. Right now. I heard it over there. See, it's working. Obedience is better than sacrifice. See, they're all set to go. Number three, and let's, let's read here. They met together, they broke bread in homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Glad and sincere hearts. They shared a common space when they all got together. They shared a common table in their own homes. And thirdly, they shared a a, a common heart. If you read earlier in Ephesians, it says there's one hope. There's one God. There's one truth. There's one. There's one. There's one. Their hearts were absolutely unified into one. Jesus' teachings wreck us when it comes to unity. What Jesus' teachings flatten us and astonish us. He taught on the, the, um, uh, by the Sea of Galilee in, in his, uh, what's the name of that sermon? Sermon on, sermon on the Mount? Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, verse 21. Jesus takes it 
to a whole nother level. The law told them, you have heard it said that to, from the people long ago, do not murder. So you can't go out and shoot somebody. But under the law, you, could do that on, you can't do that on the outside. But it never addressed the inside. People were walking around on the inside hating. But now Jesus takes it to a whole new level. His teaching flattened them. His teaching smashed their thoughts, and it left them astonished. He said, here, you, you've heard it from people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. The law said... Um, Raka is, the word raka, it's a very demeaning word to call someone. And at that point, under the law, if you called somebody that, you were subject to judgment. But what he says is that if you even look at your friend, your neighbor, your person next to you, and you call them a fool, you think negatively of them, you will be in danger of the fire of hell. Whoa. This is a new thing. See, Jesus takes unity, commonality of heart. It's not commonality now of just a group of people who believe the same thing, you know, as far as following the law. Now he's saying, okay, listen, buddy, old palsy wowsies, I'm going to get beyond how you act on the outside, and I have the ability to zoom right into your little hearty heart heart, and what you're saying in your little hearty heart heart now, I'm going to start counting that. Because if we can get the body of Christ to not only unify and come and sit, it's hard enough to get y'all to come sit in your purple chair. It's really hard. There's always something. But if we could get the body of Christ to not only come and sit in your purple chair, but then to look at one another and remove all negativity towards one another. Even your thoughts. Have you ever had a thought go, eh, yeah, to somebody? Yeah, see, I love it. Obedience. You know, just tell me. Tell me up front, front. Okay, and you think you can do that on the inside, but that is a spiritual thing that is sowing disunity into a group, even though no word is ever said. Because the spiritual, there was an uncommon unity in this church that we're talking about in Acts. It was uncommon. That was found, that kind of unity sincere hearts, hearts, not just actions, not just words, but now hearts, deep down thoughts. They did not think evil of one another. They began to think love. They began to unify in their hearts. Their hearts were sincere. This is a whole new level. And when they were able to do that, those are the things that make a body a body. You know, there's diseases Or my human body, one cell will look at the other cell and say, you know, I kind of don't like you. I'll stay right here next to you, but I kind of don't like you. And the longer that goes on, then they start secreting uh, toxins to one another, and you start getting this thing called an autoimmune disease, where my body, my body, you know, my head's looking at it going, would you stop? Work together. If you'll work together, if you will love one another, we can go a long way. We can go to 90, maybe 100. But if the cells of my body begin to dislike one another down in their genetic makeup, maybe they don't say anything on the outside. But on the inside of that cell, it begins to secrete negative chemicals towards one another, and it will destroy itself. It's called arthritis. 
It's called scleroderma, autoimmune disease, where the tissues stiffen up and the body can't move very good. And I, my head commands my body, run, go, do, help, do the dishes, do the laundry, but my body's like, I can't. Body, the head, Christ, is saying, love the world, change the world, reach out, do something, the works of service, the acts of service that I have for you, but we're frozen up. This is where God says through Jesus, okay, 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 okay can't have that. We got to have unity. We have common space. Get them together. We got to have common table where they're loving each other on an individual basis. We got to have common hearts. Every thought, you got to take every negative, condemning, judgmental, whatever it is. I, oh, her shoes look funny. Those thoughts are the thoughts that are going to the body. God takes it deeper uncommon unity. Everybody say, uncommon unity. My heart yearns for uncommon unity. You know what's going to require? That's going to require that as I bang my way through my living, my human life, and I do something dumb, if there's uncommon unity, if there's a, a heart togetherness, you're going to look at me and you're going to bless me. You're going to cover me. You're not going to judge me. And when you do something dumb, I'm, I can't believe it. Did you? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to walk over to you. I'm going to cover you. Because the uncommon unity, because see, the world doesn't understand it. Humanity doesn't understand it. Flesh doesn't understand it. Flesh wants to do what flesh wants to do. Flesh wants to destroy. Flesh wants to judge. Flesh wants to, you know, just call it as it is. Come on. Who wants to just call it as it is? But God's uncommon unity calls us to not do that. And if the body of Christ, you, we can't leave us to the body of Christ. The body of Christ, if they just get it together. I got news for you. You be the body of Christ. So let's say this. If I could just get this thing together. If I, if I, if I, if I could right now just stop. Just come on, just stop. Throw your hands in the air right now. Close your eyes, Father, in Jesus' name. Give me an uncommon ability to unify and love even hearts that are so different than mine. So different than mine. Father God, that we would understand and just grab on to this uncommon unity that they walked in in Acts chapter Chapter four, uh, 2 here, verses 44. If we can do this individually, I'm not going to wait. Say, I'm not going to wait for them to be perfect. I am going to uncommonly love and unify. In Jesus' name. So, back to the body. Every generation has to figure it out. Every church has to figure it out in the today, in the now. And I want to prophesy over this body. There have been times in this body that there has been disunification. There's been calcification. There's been tough times. There's been hard, harsh words spoken. 
There's been brokenness of relationship in this body like any group of human beings on the planet. But I want to prophesy over this body that if we will grab on to those four things, the apostles' teaching, let her change your brain. Number two, uncommon unity. Uncommon unity. And the other two that we're going to talk about next week, we will become a body that can actually move and function and see things changed and moved in our community. Because if you remember Ephesians uh, that we just read, that chapter, it said twice about works of service and the, the works that were set out to do. Because guess what? When I grew up, something happened. When I grew up, I turned off the cartoons and I had to go out and do something to contribute to that. I wanted to. I grew up and I began to do. I grew up and I began to produce. And I would say to every single one of you that are jointly fit and compacted together. There's a reason higher than just your feeling close to someone. And that reason is for you, me, us, to work together, to begin to move with the head and reach out and go and do and accomplish and whip this world into kingdom shape. Acts of service. And today is a time that I would really like to have you, encourage, you just encourage you. Some of you have been here for a long time. Some of you haven't, are you're brand new. Some of you guys have been part of the machine here. At, you know, that, that's a good thing to be a part of the, because you, know you know what unity produces of a bunch of individual things? It turns into a unit. Unity coming together turns it into a unit. And units can do things. An army unit can beat the enemy. Right? So, today, I want to challenge you, whether you are old or new or, you know, whatever, that today you find your little spot that you could be fitly joined. Would you allow the Holy Spirit to stick you in the right little spot and then tap you in so that you could fit and so that your peace can become a piece of what makes this body work. So that this body can become effective. So that then this body can change this community. We are. I'm telling you what. I, when it comes down to Dwayne and I, let me just tell you something. You could all leave. Dwayne and I would still be standing here going, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to do something. And him and I would go out and change the world. But what if we add to him and I, all of you, in real time? I'm not asking for every day, but in real time life, real life, pulling that into now so that we can do amazing things. Amen? So today, just for fun, we're having a ministry fair. Look around the room. Every sign represents a piece of what this body right now represents. Back to Austin in his pajamas. Christ has a vision for this church, and it's great. It's big. It's huge. He's whispered it a little bit into Dwayne and I's brains, and we're the ones that get to say, okay, then we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But you know what it takes? We can't do everything. Dwayne and I tried for years. 
it was hell on wheels for us because we, I, there was a day when I had to come in. I, I've told this story. You know, I came, I greeted everybody. I ran up, I played the piano. Then I, I went down and I, you know, went, oh, I went back and taught the kids. And then I had to run back in, play the piano, let people out. Then I had to go home and count the money. By then, I couldn't count two plus two because it always came up to three. The offering never matched. I finally just handed it to the nice lady at the bank and said, I'm sorry, I can't count it. I'm too, you know. I mean, <laughs> but God puts the body together and we can function. And we can become things, really great things. And none of us has to kill ourselves over it. So at this point, if you look around the room, this is what the body of Christ here at New Horizon is represented by. This is the pieces that have grown. I want every single one of these to put flesh on them and to grow. I want new signs up next year. I want a uh, single mom's outreach. I want, you know, I mean, there's just so much that we want to produce out of this body. But I want you to become pregnant with these visions and these dreams and to bring them forth. We are here to equip you. Scary. You're like, okay, no, hold it up right there. Okay, we'll hold it up right there. I'm just planting a seed. But would you be willing today to become fitly placed? Would you be willing to let the Lord tap you in? Would you be willing to find one of these ministries, maybe two, and sign up and say, you know, I'll help you out one day, as, one Sunday a month. We are not into killing you. The vast majority of these kingdom kids, would you be willing to come and just help so the machine, the body of Christ here can function? Would you be willing? Would you be willing to walk in an uncommon unity with people you might not know yet, but that are the ones that you've been set in and God's tapping you in? Would you be willing to engage? Would you be willing to spend yourself? Amen? I'd like to ask right now that all the... Um, all of the ministry leaders go to their places, and the rest of us, let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Father God, what a word. What a word. What an encouraging, pressing word for the body of Christ here today. And Lord God, I just ask you right now that your Holy Spirit will come in and inspire every single one of us towards uncommon unity, uncommon fellowship, real life together in Jesus' name. And Lord God, I just ask you right now that you will give us grace and mercy that the body of Christ here at New Horizon grows into those pajamas, outgrows those pajamas, gets to the point where those pajamas are bursting at the seams in Jesus' name. For the body of Christ is coming together. They're taking their place. They're becoming a unit. They're becoming a functioning body that is not all messed up with, with autoimmune disease and, and all sorts of things, but, God, that we would become amazing, amazing, amazing in Jesus' name. And everyone said... <laughs>